Mystery is a Crown. I'm here today, once again, as a, always, as sometimes with Kelly. How's it going today, Kelly? Oh, so good. My life is my life is chaotic. It's full of PlayStation Two stuff. DDR, mm. Guitar Hero, it's back. You know what? There's like a PlayStation 2 renaissance going on. So when I went to buy my PS2, really? they are out of control expensive. I called the Hawthorne Game Store, you know, the one that is the one that where all the Hawthorne shops are. There's just a game store there. Yeah. And they were selling PlayStation 2s for 100 bucks, man. And you go online, the cheapest I got found one was for $55. People want PS2s because they're easy to mod and everybody yeah. wants some nostalgia moment. So anyway, that's what I'm doing. DDR, Guitar Hero. How are you? What's going on? I, I spray painted my it, PS2 a long time ago. Gold. Spray painted it. <clears throat> spray painted it, and then it worked for about another three weeks, and then it died. So yeah, no it shit. The, <clears throat> it was at the end of its uh, end of its run. Although I I did actually to buy my first PS2 back in the day, I traded in my Sega Genesis and my Sega games to uh, like a progenitor of EB games. I don't know if it's EB or KB or whatever it is. Um, it's something like that, but I don't remember what it is. It's not actually EB Games, but it's like, I think they bought, EB Games bought this company. Um, so anyways, yeah, Sega. Trade them a Sega shit for a PS2. Damn. That's how old we are. That's how old that system is. I mean, it's been a long time. Anyways, uh, update uh, in our world. Um, I am in, uh, I'm coming to you from Virginia again. I'm in Bull Run. And Kelly is coming to you from the podcast closet, as always. In I don't normal. go anywhere. Stable I stay life. Here. Normal life. <laughs> I, but we are both in a closet. That's I'm true. in a closet for the first time. And it's, it's great. It's getting a little hot. But we're going to power through this. You know why? Because we planned to do this back in July. You're listening to this probably in September, probably in October. <laughs> it's absurd. Um, why did we do that? Well, August was the hottest month in Oregon on record. And it was a, it was a nightmare uh, to, yeah. to try to record. It was... Um, you know, it's harder to do things in the world as it gets hotter. So yes. you're going to have to bear with us. But we are here. Episode 145. Oh, give that away. Don't. don't <gasps> oh. I thought we were already done. <laughs> what are we doing, though, Kelly? What are we doing here? This is, it turns out, a Bob Dylan podcast. We usually get together, pick a random Bob Dylan song. Well, you choose it lyrically at the end of every episode. And we make a playlist. We talk about it. We talk about its title, its theme, its lyrics, and we're going to do that today with a special song. I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the premier database for aviation component repair data. Whether you're looking for repair sources and repair cost information, need analytical data for capability development, or want the best digital medium to strategically advertise to your customers, we've got you covered. And this week, we are talking about 1966's... <laughs> for airplane chips? Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lonely. Airplane database marketing something. Oh my god. In the missionary times, and your eyes like smoke, and your prayers like rhymes, and your silver cross, and your voice like chimes. Oh, who do they think? You can, you can find that at the sponsor of this episode, the 145, the145.com. Whether you're looking for it, yeah, that's that's where I would go into the ad read, but I already did it. And I did it for free. And the 145, if, if anybody out there has a plane Whoa. and needs component repair data or whatever, the145.com has got you. And we are on episode 145, as you can tell. Kelly, we spent the entire week listening to 
sad-eyed lady of the lowland. No, we have spent the last two months listening to my whole life of the lowland. <laughs> my whole life. Forever. And we just happened to do it on the longest song, one of the longest songs in Dylan's catalog. And um, the playlist, thankfully, it rocks, and we will talk about yeah. that later. But um, just really quickly, uh, what did you what did you feel, what did you think, before I get into the context, about this song, just generalities only, please? It is very long and repetitive. It was hard for me to listen to, especially more than once, because you know, I don't really listen to the lyrics unless something stupid jumps out, or you know, when we're actually breaking it down. But just yeah. listening to music, I'm almost always exclusively paying attention to the music, and this is the same thing. For 11 minutes. So, not Indeed. my favorite Indeed. song. Well, maybe, and I can't promise you this, but maybe context can save us a little bit. Now, I do want to preface this to say multiple things. So, if you're looking for a comprehensive deep dive in, into this song, if this is maybe your favorite song, and I think there's a contingent of people out there that it is, this I don't think is going to be one of those. Um, I like this song as much as the the next guy, just off the street. But I will say, and I, and I love the history behind it. We're going to actually go into like the making of the song a lot because that's way more interesting than the song itself, unfortunately. But um, I do want to preface to say, like, I did a lot of research two months ago. The, the idea of just spending more time on this, it, it, this podcast is built and predicated on doing this week by week. And it feels wrong for me to like dive back in a second time. Number one, we've already talked about Sarah before. Kelly, you you know Sarah. Sarah. Did we get that as an actual song or just because it was on that one album? We got album? that as an actual song. Episode uh, 42, I believe, was mm. Sarah. That was season two. Um, and you famously, it's your favorite Bob Dylan song. That was the meme from a couple <laughs> of years ago. But um, yeah, so Sarah. So we've listened to Sarah. It is on our playlist that we listened to. It won't be on the official one, but um, it's, it's good to have the context there. So we talked a lot more about Sarah there. Suffice to say here, just for the context of this episode, Bob Dylan, there's multiple sources about how Bob met Sarah. One of them is that she was driving her convertible around Greenwich Village, and he's like, hey, check out that boo. Or she was like, hey, check out that boo. One or the other. Someone's checking out a boo. But more than likely, Sarah was friends with a girl named Sally Bueller, who married Albert Grossman and became Sally Grossman. Sally Grossman, of course, passed away two years ago, but she was on the cover with Bob on bringing it all back home. So we actually toasted to her in our uh, St. Patrick's Day episode uh, in 2021, 2021. Sure. So if you want to go hear a little bit about Sally Grossman, you can go there. But more than likely, that's probably how they met, right? I mean, it's like a friend, hooking up a friend. Um, In the beginning of 1965, however, Sarah is living with her daughter from another marriage uh, that is sort of referenced in this song uh, at the Chelsea Hotel. Bob Dylan apparently rented out an apartment there in order to court her. So that's where we're at here. Um, again, they might have like met a little bit somewhere else or whatever. Who knows the exact things. This song itself, Tad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands, was recorded on February 16th, 1966 in four takes. Bob Dylan, of course, is on it. Charlie McCoy is on guitar. Joe South is on guitar or bass. Al Cooper, of course, is on organ. Hargis Pig Robbins, RIP, just recently passed away last year, is on piano. And Kenneth Buttry is on the drums. Bob is on harmonica. We will talk about that more in a moment. Another song, that we, another um, the next version, if you will, of this, uh, Bob Dylan played for Robert Shelton um, with Robbie Robertson this song in a Denver hotel in March of 1966, which is also on the cutting edge, um, which is Bob basically riffing with an acoustic guitar for a long time. It's an electric guitar, Robbie. for sure. Electric guitar, there you go. Yeah. 
See, this is why I need you here, Kelly. In 1975, for the rehearsals that would become the Rolling Thunder, uh, the Rolling Thunder Review, Bob Dylan and them rehearsed Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. Now, this would show up, the rehearsal tape of it would show up underneath uh, film footage on Ronaldo and Clara. So if you want to go and we talk about um, Rolling Thunder on a lot of episodes, so you can go and chew into that somewhere else. We're actually not going to be talking about that today. It is on YouTube, though. You can go and um, watch that if you want to, or watch the movie, I suppose. Uh, he would rehearse the song in 1978 for his world tour, but no recording, as I know, has surfaced yet. And of course, the song is name-checked directly in Sarah. He says, I was in the Chelsea Hotel writing Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands for you. Um, more than likely, he wrote the song, or the majority of the song, in the studio. Um, Charlie McCoy said, quote, when he first came in, he and his manager, Al Grossman, and his organ player, Al Cooper, everybody was introduced, and he asked us if we would mind waiting a minute while he worked on the song. So we all went out and let him have the studio to himself. He ended up staying in there working on the song for six hours. Shit. But we'll give him a pass. I mean, more than likely, I think we get really pedantic about songwriting. I'm sure he had a lot of these ideas written down in a notebook. He was probably well-versed on what he wanted to do. He was probably touching up a lot of stuff. But the idea that he just, like, came up with it out of nowhere... Um, is really absurd. So, I mean, he could have written some of this at the Chelsea Hotel. Oh, yeah. Let's calm down. Let's calm down. Uh, He has never played the song live. Uh, So this is it. This (laughs) is it. So we're going to talk about this just in order, and then we can kind of get an overview of what we felt like were the best or the worst or whatever. But I want to talk about the cutting edge. And first, I want to set the scene for the cutting edge, and that is going to be the official one, take four, which is on Blonde on Blonde, and the other two uh, complete versions and the one fragment that are on the cutting edge. So it's vital to note that the band arrived at 6 p.m. They did not play this song until 4.30 a.m. Dear God. Uh, They played the song in total, the four takes, in about an hour and a half. And, you know, you can tell from take two that, you know, there's a little bit of fucking around. There's a little bit of trying to solve some internal problems. But for the most part, the song is pretty rock solid. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan, uh, according to Bob Johnson, Dylan kept ordering, quote, milkshakes and malts and candy bars for, quote, <laughs> energy. So, I mean, it's it's four in the morning, right? I yeah. mean, it's 1966. Uh, between all the drugs, we got to get some fun, some fun sweets in there. It's also yeah. important to note that these musicians are superb and they are expensive. Al Cooper noted years later how wild it was. He said, quote, in New York, where I was raised, all the sessions that I played on, I was there three songs in three hours. I had never seen what they did in Nashville. They hired musicians and they were booked until we're done that day or night or whatever it is. They didn't have any other distractions. There were no breaks, just whatever it was. And I had never worked like that in the studio. Hmm. Keyboardist Bill Atkins, who's from Nashville. So Al Cooper is the one New York outsider. Everybody else is a Nashville musician. And even for them, it was weird. So I mean, Al was like, oh, these cats just do it a little different. But even even all of the cats in Nashville were like, hey, this was weird. Bill Atkins says, he quote, he says, uh, can quote, remember him sitting at a piano in a deep, deep meditative thought he was creating. So we were just on hold as musicians on the payroll on a master session, just hanging out. Charlie Mm -hmm. McCoy echoed him. uh, And until 4 a.m., quote, we never played a note. This was unheard of. Everybody was on the clock. Chris Christopherson, a janitor at the studio and on hand during this session, recalled the same. He said, quote, I saw Dylan sitting at the studio, sitting, sorry, I saw Dylan sitting in the studio at the piano, writing all night long by himself, dark glasses on. And when it came time to record, Bob Johnson told the musicians, quote, if they quit playing, they were gone because I could overdub anybody but Dylan. But if you quit on him, 
He'll go on the count and play something else. So they came out, which we do know very well. He'll just give up on a song. So you got to stick with it. I like Bob's advice there. Uh, continuing the quote, he says, they came out and Bob said, it goes like this, C-D-G. And they went out there and started counting off one, two with that foot and it was gone. When we got through, he said, let's hear it back. It was 15 or 16 minutes. And Al Cooper said of the song when it was over, it's quote, the definitive version of what 4 a.m. sounds like. I love hmm. that as a, as a song. Because, you know, it's got that groggy, druggy type feel. And at the end of a long record, it's like the culmination of a long song. So I do want to talk about all the takes. Um, in particular, uh, take one. Do you have any um, particular thoughts? I suppose, like anything, we'll be comparing it to the take four, which is on Blonde on Blonde. I think the take one is, I mean, they're all really similar. I will say there's not like a super divergent take in any of these. Um, yeah. Other than, okay, so the Ronaldo and Clara thing, is that what you're saying was the yeah. Rolling Thunder? Okay, so I did listen to that. That's on there. It's only two and a half minutes long. Okay, I didn't realize that was from the Rolling Thunder thing. Okay. Um, that's the one that's the most different. So, uh, yeah, the I the take four one, to me, like, it is repetitive. I think there's too much going on um, because there's so many instruments and, like, he... That's part of his sound. When he plays with the whole band, it's like he wants to have as much fucking noise as possible. And I just like, sometimes it works. And I just, I don't know. They feel like it's it gets really lost. So this take one version is very similar, but I think it's even a rougher cut, which makes sense because they didn't like remaster or whatever. So his voice is not as clear coming through. Uh, and it might be like a tiny bit slower. And it's a minute shorter because there's no harmonica outro. Um, so, but otherwise, yeah, there's not a whole whole lot of difference that I could pick out there's not. for the take one. The only thing of note, I think, for any sort of Dylan person who knows what I'm going to read is listening for the band not knowing what to do, which is mm. typical of Bob Dylan. Uh, so Kenneth Buttry um, says that uh, about three quarters of the way, he suggests three quarters of the way through take one, he was nervous about what was going on. But then it turned into what the fuck is happening. Uh, he says, quote, <laughs> he ran down a verse chorus. He said, Bob said, we'll do a verse and a chorus and then I'll do my harmonica thing. Then we'll play another verse chorus and I'll play the some some more harmonica and we'll see how far it goes from there. That was the explanation of what was I was getting ready to happen. Uh, continuing the quote, not knowing how long this was going to be, we were pre preparing ourselves dynamically for a basic two to three minute record because records just didn't go over three minutes. After about 10 minutes of this, this thing, we were cracking up at each other uh, at what we were doing. I mean, where do we go from here? And I think if you listen, and I mean, I, I listened to it then, and I, I just listened to it before we recorded here, about midway through verse three, when he does the question, he's asking a question, uh, there's two couplets, and then a question at the end of each one in each verse. And in verse three and verse four, in the same spot, the piano goes out the first time the second time it was like a shuffling of the drums something about that moment something about that sound kind of either messed them up or it was something like oh god we're still going it would have happened like this but who among them really wants just to kiss you with your child And it's really interesting to, to go back. I would say the very first one on verse three, which I think is what he's alluding to, is just like there's this moment, especially when the piano just like drops out and then comes back, where mm. you just thought it was going to be over. You thought it was going to go somewhere else. And 
Oh yeah, Bob, that, you know, just that's happened on so many songs we've so listened many. to with this cutting so edge stuff songs. because mm-hmm. inevitably some all one two members of the band have no fucking idea what's going on except for Bob. No, and they're just like we still go- we're still going. Okay, we're all right, st- still going. Still- <laughs> okay. Just keep the drums, Kenny. Just keep the drums, <laughs> Kenny. Keep the drums. Um, but no, they did a, I think a valiant job for like I mean, and it sounds amazing. Whatever, like again, if you just tell a band, it's like C D G, and it's like. What? The, how do you make something like? How do you make something that sounds like that? Uh, when you're just like, here's some chords. Like, I just yeah. my way. Musicians, man, fuck them. I know. Um, I mean, I will say the organ does a lot of the work because that's wonderful. the only one that's allowed to riff, like have its own melody. Yeah. The every all the other rhythm instruments are just trying to keep it together for as long as Bob's going to make them go, which is why it ends up being so repetitive because they're just playing those chords and like. But the at least the organ gets to go like. And there's some parts in this because of that during the chorus that it sounds very like Vampire Weekendy. Bob does this run where he says Arabian drums. It's very Vampire Weekendy, and that's one of my favorite parts of the the song. But still, yeah, I I always feel bad for everybody that goes in the studio with him because it must be so hard to like try to understand what this guy wants. You can't. No, no, no. I mean, they did a valiant job, and <clears throat> I guess it's important to note. I guess that's true. I mean, it is the organ. When I think of the song. I think of the 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 tension building and then and then letting go is probably my favorite part in the chorus. But then that organ just constantly riffing and it, it leads me to believe that there was like Al Cooper in this moment, like a lot of musicians become, they become the cipher for Bob. So Bob's there, and because Al came with him from New York, it became I'm going to tell you, Al, because we we can speak a language. So you need to try to convey that to them because I don't really know how to explain it. So it almost feels like. Al probably did a lot of lifting of like, this is how we're going to do it. And then, you know, I know what to do because I probably played this with him before. I know what's Mm. going on. Um, He probably had the Robbie Robertson treatment, you know, with Bob sitting there with a guitar at some point, you know, just sort of riffing. uh, This is what I want it to sound like. And then he can kind of go off. That's what I I think is probably happening. But uh, take two was cool just because it's them talking. I always love a good Bob talking. Right on the end, after five times around, he's going to play the melody on the harp the sixth time around. Six times around and hang a decoy. Why don't I come in with you on this? You can just pull me off. Okay. This song or the take two has like potential to me because it's you can hear the individual instruments instead of just the fucking cacophony of sound that he likes to make. So I don't know. Later, it's beautiful. It's just like yeah, I know the guitar sounds good by itself, and the piano sounds cool by itself, <laughs> and it's just a bummer that it all sounds like soup to me. You know, yeah. you know how soup works, where it's like they're individual elements, and if you just eat the individual elements, you can taste what they are. But then once it's in the soup, it's just soup taste. That is what this music is. It's just all I, soup. <laughs> probably true. That's probably true. And you know, it's probably on purpose. Uh, yeah. Take three, complete take. Um, the only it's a pretty good take. I think it's almost perfect. The only notable difference for me is the same fuck up they fucked up one time in verse four and the change to the chorus i think only once that i caught but i wasn't listening after the first time because i was writing it down but uh he did change the chorus so my where my warehouse eyes his arabian drum. yeah so i thought that was cool and did he do that for the whole song do you know or no he went back he, he only did it one too, time yeah. i think yeah so that was definitely like a Freudian slip. It was a slip of some kind, or it kind of like um, opens the door for kind of what was going on at this time. A lot of characters showing up, a lot of things going on. Um, but I like that. I like that. I was like, ooh, there is a, there's another person. Interesting. Somewhere deep well, in his brain. Well, he also just like messed up the words a bunch and stuff too. So like, oh, totally, who knows? Totally. <laughs> yeah, it's apparently no, no, four 100%. in the morning. But 
That's true. And <laughs> not enough milkshakes in the world can change all of that. Uh, take four, which is our blonde on blonde. Um, take, um, it's indicative of that thin, wild mercury sound, which is what we're talking about. You would call it soup. Yes. Um, but I mean, with your mercury mouth and your missionary times, I mean, there's a good, I mean, I'm sure it comes from this song, you know, the mer- the wild mercury sound. Uh, Bob Dylan told Jonathan Codd in 1978 for Rolling Stone, quote, it's metallic and bright gold. Uh, with whatever that conjures up. That's my particular sound. So that's what he describes as the thin, wild, mercury sound. Um, But yeah, I mean, he also just talked about it as that sound coming from a combination of guitar, harmonica, and organ. And I'm like, you know, there's other instruments, Bob. There's a bass there. There's drums. Like, they're going to give that short shrift. Also, your voice. I mean, just like straight up, like, people have said this is druggy. They've said it's foggy, blurry. Like, you know, you could just go on a list of all the people and all the metaphors for Bob's voice. But I think it's, like, fucking awesome. And I think it links up directly to Rainy Day Women number 12 and 35. You know, let's get stoned. And then by the episode, we're fucking stoned. And this is what we're doing. We're talking about Arabian drums by the end. You know, it's fucking, (laughs) it's brilliant. It's like a really great total connection. And uh, I think that that's why this song, like, album-wise really works out. Um, Spoilers for ahead. But um, but anyways, Clinton Halen, he notes that um, Bob Dylan was really... um, excited about this when the acetates were first made for this um in early april of 66 i believe uh the first song that he wanted to play was sad-eyed lady of the lowlands for journalists in los angeles and one journalist uh jules siegel recalls that when the song came on bob said uh just listen to that that's old-time religious carnival music he was just thrilled with his own work so (laughs) take that for what you will uh as soon as i uh, started playing the the take four. I was like, oh, this is the blonde on blonde cut, and I played them on top of each other, and I was like, oh yeah, this does sync up. But at like seven minutes, for some reason, the take four version and the blonde on blonde Spotify version they lose sync a little bit. Um, the blonde on blonde one is like a couple of seconds shorter, so I don't know. I couldn't catch the exact moment it happened. I was like, what hmm. would have changed because it is the same otherwise but like everything he must have just like stretched out at some point they might must have lost the tempo by like a second or something yeah and that's all it takes and then the rest of it's over but i thought that was kind of interesting that there's like this is the take that they used but something happened to truncate it by the four seconds fucking weird anyway yeah harmonica or they're like that's why you should buy this because you get that extra four seconds back just like in blade runner and last of the jedi right (laughs) right right oh also Take three, biggest sin, it's an extra minute long because the harmonica outro is two fucking minutes instead of one. Why? <laughs> because we didn't Why? have harmonica on the first, so we needed to double down. I guess. I liked how the first one ended, but I'm like, oh, you don't end a record with that. You do have to have the fade out. Like, <laughs> the, you, you guys did it right in the end. Um, but let's go to the hotel room. 1966, March 12th. Uh, Robbie Robertson, Bob Dylan, Robert Shelton on the plane. On the flight to Denver, Bob says, this song, Sad Eye Lady, is the best song I've ever written. Wait till you hear the whole thing. On tape, Dylan starts with, this is the best song I've ever wrote. And then it's a kind of chaotic journey where it's like, are you getting the idea? I hope you got the idea. Do you want me to stop? I mean, that's pretty damning. It's like, (laughs) I know. I mean, I just think they're so fucking high out of their mind where it's just like, is this kind of annoying? I'm kind of annoyed. I already did this. I don't. I actually don't want to do this with you, Robbie. I don't know why we're doing this. And I mean, he kind of turns on the song a little bit later. I'm gonna have some choice quotes that he's like, "Ah, this was too long." So the fact that he thought it was so good, this was probably the moment where he's just like, "Yeah, it's not holding up to scrutiny. This room is not agreeing with me. So I need to dial this one back." But like restarting the song at like three minutes in uh-huh. is it? It hurts. It hurts yep. to listen. To oh yeah, it. it's a tough listen. 
tough listen. You know, I think it's. I like this. For I wish the the audio wasn't so dog shit because it's like unlistenable. But yeah, you have to turn it up so high, but then the fuzz gets so loud that it's like really hard to hear it. But yeah, I'm like. 90% sure it's an electric guitar because it doesn't with the crappiness of the recording you, I don't know there's some tinny there's it's, it's my final answer is it's an electric guitar anyway yeah I I really like it and there's like an inexplicable key change <laughs> seven minutes yeah. in I, I don't know why he does it or and maybe it's not seven minutes in I don't know the song's like 800 years long oh yeah eight yeah, eight eight minutes in. You want me to stop? <laughs> and then at eight thirty, he says something. I got it, man. It's good though. <laughs> and, it, and yeah, when he restarts at three minutes in, he's like, "It's too slow." I think. Yeah, I hope you're getting the idea. <laughs> so, poor guy. Are you getting the idea? Please, please clap. <laughs> um, but I I don't know why the key changes the last like two minutes of the song. It's cool, but it like it God. does that thing that makes me feel sick where I'm just like, oh god, we've just melted into the ground. Um, but I, I wish mean, this wasn't was a... really for our ears, you know. Yeah, I know, but I wish it was because it, it's like it's a yeah. different version of at least. It's not it's a not soup version. This is an ingredients version, and I want an ingredients version. 1045. I think the, uh, the only. The only person that could have done this was Robert Shelton. I mean, he had his, um, I mean, I have the information, but I don't have it in front of me, of the type of recorder and all of that. He just happened to have it on him right. on the flight. And so it's one of those things where he had enough cachet and trust with Bob um, that he was able to do something like this. I mean, there's just no one else that really could, could do that or be that close with the recorder, like visible, you know. So it's kind of was the best you could do on a makeshift 1966. Oh, sure. yeah. It was a long time ago, so... Uh, yeah, anyways, uh, so before we get to the covers, I do want to talk about Ronaldo and Clara. So if you did see that, that was just rehearsals um, at the uh, SIR in New York City uh, before uh, Rolling Thunder. But yeah, it's underneath uh, Ronaldo and Clara, but it is different. I mean, he changed up most of the songs on oh, yeah. Rolling Thunder. That's why it's so fun to listen to. Um, but yeah, it's it's, only, it's short, you know, and it's probably longer, but gets cut off for the, for the movie. But what did you, uh, what do you think about that? Uh, the stereo mix is terrible. Again, like the audio is yeah. weird because it sounds like it might just be somebody recording their TV at some point and just or like what or the, even in the theater or whatever. So the it's really off. But I like it. I like where it was headed. Like that's I was like violin. Yes, that's got to be Scarlet. Please. I love it. And it just like made it a, a way more romantic song instantly. Strings. I'm a basic person. You get the, the strings in and now we're talking and I just wish that like Sarah McLaughlin did this song, that version of this song, because it would be fucking beautiful because it oh, it like gets to the haunting place. And that's what you want. I don't know. I think that that colors the lyrics, too. It like maybe takes out some of the saccharineness, which I know we'll, we haven't talked about the lyrics yet. But like that's what you, I don't know. This song could be very, very cool. Why don't we get Sarah McLaughlin on the phone and say, wow. hey, listen to this two and a half minutes of this Bob Dylan song and run with it. <laughs> See what you can do. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of like haunting musicians that could do this with very minimal 
instrumentation. Oh, yeah, and make totally. it really weird and creepy and cool. And, you yeah. know, it's funny. It's just a long fucking song. And I think Bob also has a lot more songs that could be turned into weird and creepy and cool. Oh, sure. That it's kind of, this is a hard one to pick and it's a long one to do. I get why yeah. people kind of shy away from it. Um, but you know who doesn't shy away from anything? Joan Baez in our continued <laughs> 2022 journey. Joan Baez, uh, her God. version. I'm just going to say it. I enjoyed it. I, have I no liked it too. Real, I think no it was my problems. favorite. <laughs> it does. It does what it, it does. Everything that Bob does. This is a classic, like really sticking to the script type of one, mm. but like kind of knocks it out musically. But again, yeah. she has a template though. Like the best part about oh, Blonde true. and Blonde and all of it is just, it's on, it's off the cuff. It's off the cuff. Yeah. And you can't replicate something like that. So they get the great breaks. It feels good. Everything that's done in the studio is replicated pretty faithfully and mm-hmm. and well done. And her voice is beautiful. But I would yeah. like it ha- a little more haunting. I mean, if she was haunted, that would be great. She could have yeah. de- definitively done the haunted version. You wouldn't yeah. even think of Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> you would think of Sarah, Sarah Dillon, but not yes. <laughs> Wait, what was her? Uh, anyways, her maiden name oh, Loudon. Sarah Lowndes. Lounge. Which even the Lowlands, how close is that, right? So, yeah, we didn't put any others on. I mean, yeah. like Richie Hawkins does a version. There, there, there are multiple versions out there from people. They're all long. I mean, we kind of shy <laughs> yeah. away from doing a million covers because that's not what the show is. Um, but again, we're on the Joan Baez kick. We're going to be. I, I kind of like Kevin Joan. I'm glad I it was on there. It, all the time. Her voice is beautiful, and it's just a clarity. It's less soupy for sure because the instrumentation is yeah. pulled back. And I think you're 100% right with that chaotic energy, which makes... The, that album mm. of Dylan's great, in some people's opinion, <laughs> is, is is removed for sure. So yeah. in lieu of precision and clarity, which I guess I'm a fan of. I mean, I don't know. I like crazy shit, too. You it's do, just... but I think you I think you are definitely more of a fan of precision and clarity. As you say, you don't like the key changes, the weird stuff. I mean, that, that stuff that would get smoothed out. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it onto the rec- these early records like this because I think that's kind of part of the whole process. But it doesn't really happen on later Dylan records, right? I mean, he's much more of a get the studio to fix what I got to oh, yeah. do, make it all sound right. But like, I think the magic of this is that that's why Joan Baez is not, you know, the records are really good, but they're not going to be in the running of what Bob did. There's, there's mm-hmm. no way. Um, oh, I didn't even get to harp on my favorite part of your story, which was the janitor, Chris Christopherson. <laughs> oh, Chris. I mean, he's just <laughs> he so always good. just pops up in random uh, <laughs> blonde on blonde portraits. He's like, hey, I was there. I mean, I like the he was wearing his glasses. I mean, that's a great touch, man. Just Bob sitting there alone in his glasses, sunglasses on, scribbling away. The original oh, sunglasses uh, at night or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. That's who they wrote the song about. Right? What was that guy's <laughs> name? Billy something? I don't have to know. Oh, uh, Stacia had never seen Blade. You've seen Blade, right? The Wesley Snipes mm-hmm. vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Hart. The Wesley Snipes okay. vehicle. <laughs> um, Corey Hart does sunglasses at night, everyone. Uh, oh. She had never seen it, and I was like, oh, that's right. Chris Christopherson is like his guru master. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> I do love Chris. It's all uh, come together. All right, Kelly, that was the song itself. Um, I think we've exhausted... Um, all of that, but I do want to talk about the the lyrics themselves. I want to talk a little bit about that. As I prefaced way above, this is not going to be a poetical deep dive. We're not going to be going into what does the Arabian drums mean. We're going to be oh, more looking at a couple of things, but I want to set it up in a certain way. We're going to start with the chorus because that is the anchor to the song. I think it's the best part about the song. And it and has a ways, chorus. It has a chorus. It's one of the most uh, mysterious ones, too. I really like it. Um, so I'm not going to read all the choruses out. Um, we had to listen to this a million times. I'm not going to have to repeat all of this. So just you know it or you don't know it. Uh, on the chorus, though, specifically, uh, one of the first biographers of Bob is a man named Larry Ratso Sloman. Ratso is his uh, nickname. 
On the Road with Bob Dylan was published uh, about his time at the Rolling Thunder Review. He asked Bob, this is uh, Ratso saying, I've always wanted to know this. When you said in Sad-Eyed Lady that, my, quote, my warehouse eyes, my Arabian drums, is it two distinct separate images, warehouse eyes and Arabian drums? Or is it using I as a verb, you know, my warehouse eyes, my, my Arabian drum? So my warehouse eyes. So the warehouse is like looking at the Arabian drum. Sarah says, yeah, I've always been curious about that, too. Bob says, uh, uh. And then this is Ratso saying Dylan was at a loss for words. Bob says, oh, man, you always catch me at my worst, Ratso. And then he tugs Sarah toward the motel. <laughs> that's that's Bob's answer. He's asked a great question about the song. He's like, you always catch me at my worst. I have to go. <laughs> That's a great, I love that. That's one of my favorite Bob Dylan ones of all time. Anyways, I, I bring that up mainly because the comma is now in place in the lyrics. It is probably in place because Ratso brought it up, but he's like, uh, boy, has a good question. So hit that. So now it is my warehouse eyes. My, we, we now can, def, can confirm that it is two separate thoughts. Uh, but I, I do like this because the language of this is really interesting. And that's why people write reams and reams and reams on this song because the language is excellent. There's a lot of evocative images. Uh, the anecdote above is 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 uh, is great, but I would say that the language, the words are the song. You know, the song is so plotting and musically kind of staid that the words are kind of all you have. And Bob's voice being an instrument is nice, but like you, you don't listen. If you're not listening to the lyrics, it kind of comes and goes. And just like the music, I think Bob's voice is very monotone and you know, druggy, foggy, blurry, whatever you want to call it. Um, I wanted to look at the songs though under the guise of love songs. I wanted to, um, and if you got any, you know, big thoughts about the songs or the lyrics, any thoughts about the lyrics itself, you can let me know as we go along. I don't know if you will, Kelly. I mean, maybe you've written a whole essay about it. But I want to just look at lines, individual lines, and I want to talk about, is this going to be, is this a love song shit? Or, inversely, is this pedestal queen shit? Like, is this Bob putting a woman up on a pedestal or is it neither? Is it like this weird middle road? Um, I'm using the term love song very generally because I think a lot of people have a lot of feelings about the word love song. I think a lot of people consider this a love song. And I think like I would say it's more more multidimensional than a standard love song, more multidimensional than like Sarah um, in particular, I think. Mm. But oh, yeah. um, but if a layman is introduced to this song, especially verse one and verse two, they're, the, the, the images are evocative and they're like lovely images. Like your eyes are beautiful. Your mind is great. You know, those are standard like, oh yeah, this girl's pretty, pretty rad. And then we like go off the fucking rails because it's Bob Dylan and that's what we do. So I want to ask you, um, when you went into the song at any point, we, we hadn't really talked about it, but did you see this as a love song? Do you see this as a love song? <sighs> It's so couched in metaphor poetry stuff that it's really hard to decipher for me. Like I, which I understand is the point, and like that's an art in of itself. And yes, evocative. Yes, yes, yes. Whatever. But it makes the kind of the meaning difficult to ascertain. Which again is the point. It's all just this. It's all supposed to be confusing because it's art. Whatever. But would you be <laughs> again, flattered? Would you be flattered by some of them? I mean, this I is at times a not flattering song. So it's yeah. like it's kind of beguiling to say, "Oh, it's just a love song through and through." And it's like no. we're talking about farmers and businessmen at some point. Like, where, where's what are we doing here? I think it's just it's like observational. I know. I don't know. It's park it's bench. more that park bench stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. it's. I think it's less coherent than a love song. I don't think you can call it that because it's not 
obvious. I mean, not that all love songs have to be poetry no. and whatever, but like, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. No, that's fair. I, well, that's why I want to get. Yes. I want to get down to brass tacks here, and I want to. I just wanted to come from the gut today. So instead of any analysis here, we're gonna play a brand new game. Oh yeah. The game is called. <laughs> the game is called Great Love Lines or Pedestal Penchant. You have dun, two. Dun, dun, you have two um, stickers to hold up. One of them is a heart emoji. The other is a queen emoji. Or you can waffle between. And in my oh, opinion, that's soon. where the song gets better. When you're waffling, you're like, oh, is that good? Mm. Is that queen shit? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> and that's where the song excels, in my opinion. So I want to start with the chorus, and we'll just kind of okay. like set the tone for the game. So if you were called a sad-eyed lady of the lowlands, number one, what would what would you think? What would you think if if Sasha wrote you a song? It was like this song's for you. Sad eyes, low. I mean, it could be romantic. Again, gosh, shit is cool, and like yeah. Yeah, you might be the sad eyed lady <laughs> under the bridge. But I'm just curious, like, but that's where you waffle, right? Where where do you come down on it? Yeah, I think I think more romantic than pedestally because you, well, I but do. yeah, it's the waffly too. But because you could be like. Oh, let me come be, let me don my cape for you, madam, and rescue you, sad lady, which sure. is kind of queeny, pedestally stuff. But then also, like, I see you, girl. I see you how you really are. I'm not putting you on a pedestal. I'm just loving you for the sad goth girl you are. <laughs> girl. I agree. For me, it's very romantic. I mean, and I would say that the, the only other line in the chorus really, like, my warehouse eyes, my Arabian drubs, which is very much the narrator. But, like, should I leave them? Should I leave my things by your gate or sad eyed lady? Should I wait? Like the chorus itself is impeccable and beautiful and haunting. That to me is queen shit, but like in a good way, queen shit where it's almost not the queen emoji pedestal thing. It's like, I think anybody would like love to hear that. Like if I took my stuff to you, would you, do you want me to leave it outside your door? Do you, are you going to open the door for me? That's that. I don't know. That's like, to me, that's very lovely. Okay. I don't know what warehouse eyes are. I know I don't know what any of that means, but I'm assuming that they're just things. My eyes, okay. warehouse, I, I'm, you know, uh, there's a line in from Buick 6, uh, I need a dump truck baby to unload my head. I feel like warehouse eyes is like, I just, I'm, I'm the type of person, I'm Bob fucking Dylan. I am consuming so much. My eyes are just seeing so much of the world. I'm storing so much in my brain and my warehouse eyes. That's kind of how I always read it. And then my Arabian okay. drums, I think it's just my, my music. So I'm leaving the two most Bob Dylan-esque things at your doorstep mm-hmm. will you let me in or or should i wait for you to call you know huh oh okay so also i want to say that i'm i maybe take issue with the pedestal thing i think it's okay to like maybe exalt the person that you care about to be like oh my god they're so great they're amazing they deserve everything where you get into trouble is where you're holding them up on that pedestal right and therefore they're not allowed to be a person so if they have any flaws you like turn on them right at least that's how i interpret it like the pedestalizing someone you have you have done what my script did about verse three where i realized that this game doesn't really work because <laughs> I thought I thought this would be much more uh, straightforward one to one the way Sarah is Sarah is very yeah. oh yes. run, and you can really do the dive <laughs> yes. and so we'll go through the game and we'll watch it fall apart together really. <laughs> okay, great. I like Sorry. that you before we even ahead. started you, we've already broken it apart <laughs> because you're right and so I keep saying queen shit because I'm totally reversed because I know what's ahead so I'm like when I say queen shit I'm like that's good oh shit I gotta say no that's love stuff because love is good and then the queen pedestal is bad but I'm like no but it's nice right. to be a queen it's nice to because yeah. that is very royal like it's a royal idea of like should I leave it at your feet my my dear or, yeah. or will you let me in like that's very Game of Thrones very I don't know it's cool oh I can't say that it's very House of the Dragon 
<laughs> haven't watched it. Mm. So we're going to just... It's good. Still good. Kelly, moving on to verse one, so the actual start of our game. Um, but I do I do want to say, as I said before, I really like that every uh, cu- every couplet, you know, that happens, we the, the, the couple of couplets, the two couplets, ends in a question mark. I kind of never picked up on that mm. as, a, as a listener. It never really occurred to me. But seeing it on the page really makes this very poetic, a very poem-like song. And I think that's to its uh, benefit. Um, I also think that this verse, verse one and verse two, are the two most love, loving verses. Like after that, we start getting into farmers and businessmen, and that's where it starts to fall off. But I mean, these first ones are like, these images are lovely. And just like Sad Eyed Lady, some people are going to take um, issue with some of the um, the ways that Bob describes her. But I think it's like also creating like a real person. And I think that's also very attractive and very cool and i think if you were somebody listening to the song and understood it or whatever it, it could be really amazing i don't know that's just how i see it it's like it's not just saccharine like she's the smartest in the world you know it's like <laughs> this is some really like big stuff i mean and, and also some troubling stuff which we'll kind of go through um but um oh well i did think the first two verses i was like is she dead is she mm, dead oh wow see i didn't even go this route because i'm like <laughs> i have to create this game called pedestal penchant or great love lines or whatever i know so sorry and no no you're good and like i didn't even think is she dead <laughs> i mean because Why i know it's sarah it's so explicitly sarah i'm like right. sarah is still with us as we right. record this song so she is still here in the year of our and Lord, not dead too and not dead yeah. so um it never occurred to me but i again you could be doing some of the that organ really is haunty and we want it to be a haunted song i think you're right there's a world where it's like this girl is haunting the Chelsea Hotel. And I think that's Maybe. pretty cool. I mean, it's most explicit in the first two verses. It kind of disappears after that. But yeah, it was just like, I know who, who do they think could bury you is very like literal in this very poetic song. But then who could carry you, right? Carry the coffin. Wow. I don't know, man. Oh, see, it's just like. This, you're going off here. Yeah. No, it's just like great. painting this picture of someone who seemed to be too big for the world that they lived in, right? Like she's mm. kind of this divisive amongst the people character, it seems like, because. Mercury mouth in missionary time. So it's like she's talking about shit you should not be talking about in polite company. Your eyes are like smoking, your prayers like rhymes. So it's like there's something in her, darkness in her, which people are not into, right? And you have your silver yeah. cl- cross for protection. And I think she got killed. <laughs> but no, but who among killed. them, your peasants, think that they could bury you? You'll live forever, yeah. queen. Right. Like, well, yeah, but also like who dared or, take your life? Who dared I know do that? She is dead, yeah. They thought that they could take oh. you down, you perfect, amazing Some person. Some in the guard stuff. I don't know. Just, Might as well just six years. Uh, that song's so good. You know what's also good? Sort of this song. Uh, anyways, no, that's that's a great that's a great look. Um, but sorry, Kelly, to cut you off here. But it's time oh, yeah, for no, our no. game: great yes. lines or pedestal penchant, <laughs> which is already sort of breaking <laughs> a tiny bit. But we might be able to play with it a little bit. So if somebody called you a mercury mouth in missionary times. Or in uh, verse uh, volume one or volume one in the first version of the song in a mouth that climbs a mercury mouth in a month that climbs in a month yeah, that who climbs knows. one know. of the two who cares Bull- weird <laughs> uh, what do you think about the missionary times what does that what does that mean to you mercury mouth is that good that's probably bad what I mean mercury is poison so that's why I was thinking that she's saying stuff that people saying... aren't ready for that mm, they she is saying some counterculture stuff. So if you were dating somebody and someone was like that, that's how you would read into it. You'd be like, he's saying mercury mouth, not because my breast smells, not because I'm poisonous, (laughs) but because I'm speaking truth to the system. Yeah. I like that. So I think it'd be good. I think those are good. Uh, 
I gave it a, a to the heart emoji because yeah, I yes. love heart it. emoji. Yes, sorry heart for emoji. the game. Here's no, my you're heart good. Emoji. You're heart emoji. <laughs> Uh, your eyes like smoke your prayer like rhymes again your medieval fantasy style will leave that over there because it's fucking awesome and I want you to continue with that but if somebody says your eyes are like smoke or your prayers uh, are like rhymes how would you feel about that is that sexy is that is that good yeah I think it's still okay it's like smoke smoky eyes everybody's looking for a good smoky eye look right yeah no I think it's good I think it's good. Like for me, straddling the line of 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 queen shit and heart emoji is, um, are we verging into too much? Right. This is still cool. It has an edge. So as long as there's still like a little edge, and but we get into straight like, oh my god, in the next we'll verse. Be, yeah, we'll be there much. in a second. So yeah. voice like chimes though, that could be very grating, or it could be lovely. See, I hate chimes. I took all of my grandma's chimes <laughs> down uh, during last summer because it was annoying, and I just, oh, I'm actively recording and I can hear them, so they have to go. So if you said my voice was like chimes, I'd be like, no, thank you. That means you want me to leave because I would want to leave. Um, Your pocket's well protected at last. What does that mean? That she got some personal security? I mean, in the medieval world, I can kind of understand it. But yeah, again, if she's dead, you don't have to worry about it anymore. No one's going to rob you, girl. You got nothing. You're dead. What does streetcar visions which you place on the grass mean? See, again, I'm thinking she is a forward thinker. She sees the future. She sees the world to come. And we're still playing in the fucking dirt. She's thinking about mass transportation. <laughs> we are. We're making Sarah into a fucking legend here today. And we're going to do it over the course of an hour. And Bob Dylan does it over the course of 16 minutes. So uh, strap in, everybody. Um, yeah. But then we get to like the two questions at, in between. So who among you do they think could bury you? And who among you do they think could carry you? Um, I mean, I said that that's... It, well, it's like it's like before I skipped over this, but your your flesh is silk and your face like glass. Now See, that that's can a bad one. Border on the weird. Um, it's a pedestal one. Your word pedestal. So that's a little pedestal-y. And then after that, it's the carry you part where it's like, well, you should probably just sit on that pedestal because don't move. Tough stuff. <laughs> Tough stuff. Um, no, she's dead. Who yeah, amongst yeah, right. these plebes think they are good enough to murder you? And who's good yeah. enough to tend to your body? <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, uh, one more question uh, from your medieval world or whoever. Um, who is them? Who who do they? For you in that world, it's it's the peasants, right? It's the the peasantry. Is uh, who who among you or this the suitors to be king? But in like in like Bob Dylan's life, is it just other suitors like they? Yeah, who among them they I mean, think? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of all I can think. Really. I, mean, I imagine she probably had a pretty big social circle if she's like hanging out with Sally Grossman yeah. and all these people all the time. They were like at the playboy club or whatever playboy not club, that that's right not that they always hung out there or something but like i bet she had a lot of people around her that he probably thought were beneath her right like yeah that's probably. it i would imagine a very she's your lover now too where he sort of riffs on that but also farmers and mm-hmm. businessmen are always who you want to be around so <laughs> she does know the farmers and she knows the businessmen uh Thank verse God. two the pockets one or are we oh just the sheet the sheets like metal in your oh that's the okay yeah so the next uh yeah, I don't know what metal sheets are. They sound terrible. And uh, Well, the sheets like metal. So people think that Sarah's father was actually a scrap metal dealer in Wilmington, Delaware. Huh. So not only do we get the scrap metal yard um, outside of Canary Row, but we also get this. Um, so people think that it might just be a reference to her dad's job. Um, because otherwise it's like, you know, you can say that it's a commentary on the music itself. Again, we talked about the Mercury before. So you could be talking about the type of music or like the way his voice grates or whatever, or it could be a bad thing, right? Like sheets like metal, like 
you know, your the place your bed is not a great place to be. But again, this is a love song, right? So you wouldn't want to read into that. But if somebody said like, "Oh, I don't want to go back to your place. Your sheets are like metal." I mean, obviously it's a metaphor, but it's like I wouldn't want to go to that place. Is what I would think. See, but belts like for, lace is nice. Yeah, well, that's why maybe it's like the metal sheets are the trappings of your life where you keep yourself protected, but your belt Ooh. is like lace because you're soft and gentle on the inside. I love it. See. Mm. A heart emoji. Then we got it. We did it. <laughs> uh, deck of cards, missing the jack and the ace. Now this He's is calling her up. unhinged, right? Oops. She's unhinged. I have no idea. I, was, I just thought about the jack of hearts, episode 93. Oh, yeah. uh, Lily Rosemary and the jack of hearts. I love it. It's a heart emoji for me. I don't know about unhinged. Well, your deck is missing the jack and the ace, yeah. But it could also be literally. They try to well, but wins. isn't that like a whatever? A, they're missing a couple of their decks a few cards short or whatever, you know, like a, they're a little... He could also be saying it's missing the jack, me, or the ace, me. Mm. Or you. Or f- You're the ace. I'm the jack. Yeah. What? Jack of hearts. I mean, who is the jack of hearts? I don't know. Uh, your, she, that, your basement clothes. Now, that's tough. Your hollow face. Tough. <laughs> tough. I said, okay, dude. I, and nothing. I didn't, give it, I didn't give it a queen. I didn't give it a heart. I have, I have no, I just said, okay, dude. That's literally my only thought. See, I think this one's good. I think this is a heart because he looks like at it. He sees clothes? her. Yeah, he sees her. Know, like, sees I'm not dissuaded. Um, yeah, I'm not dissuaded mm-hmm. by your sadness. Again, he is into goth chicks. Apparently, right, Sarah yeah. is. She's got <laughs> layers. She's got depth. There's the sadness there. That's true. Well, your silhouette when the sunlight dims into your eyes where the moonlight swims. Very beautiful. I give that a heart. Uh, <laughs> alternatively, cool. there is into your eyes like mirrors where the moonlight swims. So a little bit different from verse, uh, from take one. But heart emoji. I give it. Yeah. Uh, your matchbook songs and your gypsy hymns. Back to that again. <laughs> Inescapable. <laughs> Inescapable. This was part of like the, the five songs. And it's like, oh, I want to do every one of them. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Is a matchbook song a thing or is that just something he said? I see. I, I looked I looked up a couple of them and I did the weird sort of turn of phrase. I did it with Platt Ballad and Plain D as well. And no, I mean, as far as I can tell, I mean, a match, I would say like a torch song. You know, so it might be like instead of a oh, torch okay. song, it's gotcha. like a a, yeah. a very tiny version of a torch song, <laughs> Just a which I think is very cute as a metaphor. But I don't think that's could possibly what Bob be Bob what Bob is doing. Sorry. Um, who and then the two questions are: Who among them can think he could outguess you? And then who among them would try to impress you? And I said pretty good overall. Yeah. I would like that. Yeah, I but think again, that it goes reinforces back to possibly a queen stuff. Yeah, I mean like queen in the peasantry sense. Mm-hmm. Or, or just like the that she puts on this out exterior, and then, but underneath she's a different person. So that's why it's like, who could outguess you? They'll never know. You're an enigma. Yeah. You're just unknowable. But I will. <laughs> but he never really implies that. I mean, I think that's an interesting point too. Like, there's no part here where Bob or the narrator in particular is saying, "But I'm the one to do it." It's almost like you yeah. are all of these things, and it's not really. All I'm asking, really, in the chorus, period, is, will you open the door or not? And, yeah. But And I like that. I think that's really, I mean, that's where, where it's not a love song, right? Because the love song right. always ends with a typical, like, oh, there's open and we're swept off our feet and mm-hmm. we got married and had four kids. It's like, no, we don't know what's going to happen here. And I think that, that tension is really nice. Which I think takes it, on, I mean, not to spoil the final, is it pedestal stuff, but like, I think that's why... It's not because he's doing the thing that you want someone to do, which is actually just observe and appreciate what is really happening instead of creating this idealized version. Like, yeah. I see you, goth girl, and I like all yeah. your stuff. 
<laughs> and you might get some stuff wrong too, but I, and I think that's fair. But as long as you're being yeah. fair about what you're getting wrong, and Bob Dylan can write a scorcher if he wants to, he can be fucking vicious if he wants to, and we've had him be vicious before. And yeah, this is not a vicious song, but it's like a real song, and I think mm-hmm. that's really, really, really nice. Verse three, I want to shout out Tyrus. Tyrus, not only for the Breaking Bad universe, but biblical Tyrus is really what we're, we're doing here. Um, it is roughly today's southern Lebanon, but it might actually not be Tyrus from the Bible. It could also be from Greek mythology. So Tyre, uh, the, the place itself goes back to like Poseidon's son was like the first king or whatever in Greek mythology. So hmm. shout out to the kings of Tyrus. Also, Geranium Kiss. I was like, oh, that's really nice. You might know this because you're a gardener, but Geranium Kiss is real. Apparently, it's a, quote, stocky dwarf plant that grows to a maximum height of 24 to 30 inches and produces loads of golf ball size round red fruits, tomatoes. And yep. uh, incredible. I, I did not know that, kiss. but I looked it up because I was like, what is Geranium Kiss? Is there an Urban Dictionary <laughs> entry for this? I'm a little scared. <laughs> there is not, thank God, but yeah, then I saw the tomato thing. I was like, oh, okay. I don't, I wonder, is he, does he know that plant exists or he's just saying words? Well, there are farmers later, right? And we're yeah. ta- if we're talking medieval stuff, man, maybe Geranium's Kiss is what they eat exclusively. Yeah. That's the only food they got. <laughs> Who knows? Um <laughs> Now it's time to play Great Love Lines or Pedestal Penchant. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> so we kind of just talked about the Kings of Tyrus and the Geranium Kiss. Um, I wouldn't catch what that would be if somebody's saying that to me right off the bat. I, I would be like, is a Geranium Kiss like a Dementor's Kiss? Because I'm, then I'm like, mm, I, but it's pretty goth. So maybe that yes. is good. I don't know. So maybe it is our emoji. I didn't have any. I don't know if I have an emoji at all on any of these lines. I'm like, I don't know. I think it's fine. It's also not talking really about her. Yeah, it's like their geranium kiss, right? They want yeah. to plant their geranium kiss on her. Yeah, Weird. but it's it's <laughs> not about her, so it's kind of hard to put it in that context. There's probably more of a metaphor there, right? Because there's like 12 kings of Tyrus. That's what I saw. I, I think that's from the Bible, but there, there's lots more. There's like 23 listed on Wikipedia, so there's probably a whole history of like who the Tyrus kings are. They might all be like maladapted people or like not suitable mm. to be king, and that that might be the whole point, right? A bunch of non-suitable people are coming after you, and they're trying mm. to essentially plant one on you. And but gotcha. you're smart enough to to not do that. That's the only way I could I think I can read that. But um, but then he just like straight up goes a bit left field here, which I think is where we're going for the rest of this fucking. Um, a song where he's like your childhood flames on your midnight rung and your Spanish manners and your mother's drugs. Um, this is a lot of like personal info, right? Did he have permission to say all this stuff? I mean, come on. Is Sarah from Spain? I have no idea. No, well, I mean, also there, there's your Spanish leather. I mean, is this a song about yeah. Susie or what? What's happening? Yeah. Well, that's okay. So I immediately, because of the mother's drugs thing, and we did ballad and plain D, and I was like, oh shit, that's the wrong girl. I was like. That's not that's not Sarah. That's the other one. So it's like, uh oh, what are we? I've lost the plot. I was barely that's, hanging on to begin with. That's it. So it might just be fluff for fluff's sake. Or again, it's like it is not just about Sarah. Obviously, it's like it's a whole like narrative thing. It's just it's riffing. He's riffing. Yeah. Right. That's all we can say. Because otherwise, if I heard this and my mom did struggle with drugs and my Spanish manners were a point of contention, I think I would be mad. At this <laughs> what are line. Spanish manners? Who knows? Who knows? But if if we've talked about my Spanish manners before and you brought it up in a song, I'd be pissed. I'll just say that. Yeah. I also had to look up curfew plugs. Me in, too. Uh, so, <laughs> dinner dictionary to make sure. I said a curfew what? <laughs> so curfew plugs, no idea. And yeah. the cowboy mouth, I mean, I, sure, you can read that however you want to. Cowboy mouth to me is cool if you like cowboys. 
But if you don't like cowboys, how is this? I, how is this appropriate? Maybe I just interpreted it as somebody who's like rough, right? Like a, a rough, rough around a rough the edges. No, me too. Yeah. Or like yeah. a curse, a lot of like curse yeah. words and yeah, like a sailor's yeah. mouth, right? Who yes. among them really wants just to kiss you? Which yeah. is kind of rude. Nobody? You don't think anybody wants to just kiss me? Come on. Uh, and then who among them do you think could resist you? Sort of the inverse of that. So nobody wants to kiss me maybe, but they can't resist me. Um, and I would assume Bob counts himself as part of that group. Well, I wonder if the who among them really wants just to kiss you is more of a like, you think Ah, this is just an innocent thing, but they clearly want you for whatever. They're going to use you for sex or they're going to use you for power or use you for access to your social people. Like it's there's always something else going on. It's not as uh, plain as it seems. This is just an innocent kiss. Yeah. But this is just an innocent geranium's kiss. But it's not. No. Gateway drug to um, chlamydia. Or STDs, you know. (laughs) Verse four, the introduction of our farmers and our businessmen. Before we get there, though, Bob Dylan said on November 29th, 1969 in Rolling Stone, quote, it started out as just a little thing. Sad eyed lady of the lowlands. But I got carried away somewhere along the line. (laughs) I just sat down at the table and started writing at the session itself. And I just got carried away with the whole thing. I just started writing and I couldn't stop. After a period of time, I forgot what it was all about, and I just started <laughs> trying to get back to the beginning. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure I mentioned farmers at the beginning of the song. I'm going to go ahead and go back to that. <laughs> exactly. Um, I And also the scrap metal. I was like, oh, yeah, scrap metal. That's right. Bring that in. Um, right. Up to this point, I think the surreal language of the song is pretty cool and like conforms to a broad sense of a love song and one that Bob has written before. We recently did Ballad in Plain D. I kept thinking about that. I did not want to, but I did, um, because that has way more disjointed and random fucking um, imagery than this song does. At no point do I feel like this song runs off the rails. Um, it gets close, but it does not do that. <laughs> the way that Ballad and Plain D like, is a different song. Verse one through three is great, and then it's just nonsense, and then we get a closer. It's like in between did not have to happen. That doesn't feel like this at all. Um, but verse four for me is where we start to fall off. And speaking yes. of falling off, Kelly, it's time to play Great Love Lines or <laughs> Pedestal <laughs> Pension. <laughs> Sweeping the world. And this game is where I was like, this is not fun anymore. This song has veered away <laughs> from Romance City. We are we are driving on to Dead Angel Drive. We were trying to get to Romance City. Dead Angel Drive is where we're at. Um, you really can't take this one individually. You have to kind of take it as a whole. So I am going to read these and we're going to go through them. So the first um, half of the song. Oh, the farmers and businessmen, they all did decide to show you the dead angels that they used to hide. But why did they pick you to sympathize with their side? Oh, how could they ever mistake you? I think that's rude. I think it's rude to imply that she's not somebody that would sympathize with the farmers and the businessmen. Maybe she was on their side. Maybe. But how could they ever fuck up like that to trust you? (laughs) But, But again, maybe Bob knows what we don't know. The narrator knows. And he's like... They are stupid. They shouldn't have trusted you because you were a saboteur the whole time. Because they are beneath you. Or maybe they're bad farmers and businessmen. That's what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. I think that they're just bad farmers and businessmen. I mean, later they're going to be like, I want you to take the fall for the farm. And it's like, but then I'm thinking of like the band and like they got songs about farmers and, but they're just trying to get unionized. I'm like, I want that farmer. Where's that farmer going on? And we're just peasants here. These are just dudes in power. The farmers were very rich. Who knows? In this whatever (laughs) medieval corrupt land wow <laughs> so she's trying to overthrow the current status quo and that is with businessmen and farmers at the top as always what's up with the dead angels though that's intense 
I guess all the people they've taken down in their quest for power and greed, like sometimes you got to kill some people to get to the top. You know what I'm saying? So there you yeah, go. Maybe, Other people maybe. that that are Sarah or hero figure of the piece uh, could have been just another one. And maybe she was because if she's dead at the beginning. Who knows? Oh, sure. Oh, they might have taken her out. Exactly. Uh, and then this one here is a pretty long, like, another character piece of who the sad-eyed lady of the Lowlands is. Um, they wish that you'd accepted blame for the farm, as we said. But with the sea at your feet and the phony false alarm, and with the child of a hoodlum wrapped up in your arms, how could they ever, ever persuade you? Now, the child of a hoodlum is nuts because Sarah did have a child with a guy. Just a normal, like, they got divorced it's like what is that bob where is that coming from um but then the rest of it is kind of just crazy like you know the sea at your feet it's like the world is your oyster type of thing phony false alarm i don't even know what that could mean and you know just like that image of her like standing next to the sea very evocative very cool but like but is that good is that like a good look did she turn her back on her people is maybe another way Mm. to look at this like is this actually a negative portrayal I don't know. I don't know. I like the idea of her being uh, a saboteur that is trying to overthrow the top, you know. So maybe she was supposed to, as part of their plan, accept this, the the blame for the farm that was maybe set on fire. Who fucking knows? (laughs) Something bad happened to the farm and she was supposed to be the one to take the fall for it so that their plan could go. Lost the farm, yeah. But then instead she had a kid. (laughs) It's also a metaphor. It's something that I've heard said, you know, like uh, about the farm just as like a... As an enterprise, like, you know, it's not really a farm physically. It's more like you were supposed to take the blame for Mm. the whole thing. And so something happened that she didn't take responsibility for that they expected her to. But what could that be? Again, very Also, isn't to to buy the farm, isn't that a metaphor to to die? I don't know. Right. Dogs go to farms. Oh, yeah. I think think you're right. To buy the the farm. farm. Yeah. She bought the farm. Wow. That's They bought the farm. About the farm. Yes, what does that mean? A person died, yeah. Origin is unknown. We're, we're getting to the bottom of this, I think. Finally, verse five, we continue on Dead Angel Drive while looking at Romance City on our GPS. Um, we're not too far gone from Romance City to the point where we can still see it on the map on the dash, but we don't know quite how to get back without stopping this madness and redoing our GPS. So we just kind of see the dot for Romance City, but we just keep going in this direction at 4 a.m. in New York City. (laughs) Speaking of madness, great lines. Or pencil <laughs> for the final time. For the final God. time. We do get a little bit of a return of, of some actual mm. stuff. Uh, your gentleness now. Your gentleness now, which you just can't help but show. It's very sweet. With your lace belt. That's your With your lace belt and your your tin body. You're just a tin man. It's just Wizard of Oz. This is a metaphor for Wizard of Oz. Oh, God. But then who among them would employ you? Dark. Dark. Yeah. I mean, okay, she lost her job. Chill out, man. <laughs> Chill out. You know? Jerk. Is the magazine um, husband the hoodlum? The yeah, father? The magazine, the magazine husband is Hans, Hans, Hans Lowndes. So that was her her husband before. So you know maybe at some point we'll we'll have an episode or do something where we can talk about this more. But yeah, was I he famous? Get into it. No, no, he's just a magazine guy. He just, was just a, like oh. a publisher editor. I thought it was like the guy on the cover of magazines. Mm, no, 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 no. Gotcha. But again, it's too on the nose. It's another like weird personal detail yeah. that like it didn't have to be. So like, sorry, where does the personal detail stop? Where do the ends? What are yeah. we doing here? Uh, we'll never know. And I think that's what makes again a great Bob Dylan song and. 
I think that this one does kind of rise to that. In the end, I think the final lines are pretty classic love song shit and a little bit of Pedestal Queen, but not really in the way that we're thinking about it. I went into this thinking that it was going to be way more Pedestal Queen, but it's not. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. But the final lines I really like, your saint-like face and your ghost-like soul, we really double down on the goth shit. Oh, who among them do you think could destroy you? I love that. Yeah. Uh, the coda here is that Bob Dylan, right after this, uh, married Sarah Lowndes at a private ceremony in Long Island on November 22nd, 1965, the second anniversary of JFK's assassination, it should be said. Um, and they either got married in a judge's chamber or outside underneath an oak tree. Whoever, whatever you want to believe. Um, and then they were married, you know, until the 1970s. And then they broke up famously on some records. And, you know, we've talked about it here. So you can go listen to our Sarah episode a little bit. But um, anyways, Kelly, does this song work for you in 2022? I don't know, man. Like I said, as is, probably not. I will never listen to this song ever again. It's way too long and way, too, way repetitive. too long. Way too. Well, you will when we uh, listen to Blonde on Blonde. Ugh, yes, unfortunately. Um, but having Sarah at the end of the playlist was nice because I do like Sarah better. Oh. I mean, it's I like Blasphemy Sarah better everybody. musically. Yeah. I mean, Scarlet's on the Scarlet. track. It's half the like a fun harmonica too at the beginning. Yeah, but lyrically, it is like the most. It's the worst. That is the pedestal Infant- song. That is it's infantilizing. The worst. Yeah, it's an infantilization versus like this rich, textured, beautiful, wonderful, mysterious lustful it's like you just so many words to describe who this character is versus yeah whatever's happening over here we pick and it's so pleading he's like don't leave me think of the children we've had such good times and like gross different and playing that live for her it's like you i can't stop every time i hear that song i'm just like he's singing that with her just sitting right there i'm like this sucks this sucks (sighs) the worst and you anyway, mentioned this so... song how dare you mention this song that's also that's why we're talking about it because how dare you mention this song as a way of trying to get back with her it's fucked up i still think of you as like you know remember when i thought you were cool and and yeah. unique and i really like wanted to be with you and now i'm just trying to use our kids as leverage so you don't leave me because i'm a serial adulterer please don't leave me <laughs> so in that regard, this is a much better song, far and away. So I th- lyrically, it gets it, and I think that there could be people that would do great interpretations of it. But as you said, there probably won't because it's ten fucking minutes long, and it's kind of all over the place. But you could cut off all those like, well, we forgot what the song was about. <laughs> Once we get into Kings of Tyrus and Farmerland, let's just nope, yeah, we don't need to do that. You could do verse one, three, and five, one, two, and five, and I think you're fine. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I think that could work. I think lyrically, yeah. it does work, and even I don't know musically. It's probably okay. I just, it's not for me. So, yes, <laughs> it, there's a version of this that works today. Fair enough. I say absolutely for historical purposes. Um, Bob Dylan said prior to Blonde on Blonde, quote, they say my songs are long now. Sometime I'm just <laughs> going to come up with one that's going to be a whole album consisting of one song. And I was like, that's really great. It reminds me of Sufjan Stevens, and he went through this like thing back in 2010 where he's like, what is a song anymore? What is streaming? What is What does it mean to make a song? What does it mean to do any of this? And I like that this has been a thread happening for a long time. And obviously, it's just limitations of technology that have stopped everybody. But even Bob at the time was like, hey, I, I can... 
we can do this. Um, he also, in that interview as well, uh, said he wanted to write a symphony, quote, with different melodies and different words, different ideas, all being the same, which just roll on top of each other and underneath each other. And this isn't a symphony per se, and I would say if that's what he classifies as a symphony, he's written many a symphony. But this one, I don't know if this one does it. Um, but, I mean, pushing the bounds of music, the music industry, is exactly what this song did and what this album did. This was the first song that did cover an entire side of a record. This set mm. the fucking template. There's there's only so many people at this time period that could possibly be able to do this, and he was one of those people. So historically, you can't undercut the importance of this song taking up a whole side. You can't undercut what it is to Blonde on Blonde and like the whole connective tissue um, and how it works all together is great. And like I said before, Dylan's descriptions of Sarah here are undeniably gorgeous, sensual, electric, mercurial, mysterious. But, you know, there's just this ballad in plain D world where some of the surrealism is just going to hit you at times and it's not. It really just depends on where you are at. And I think that that's where, for me, it hits or misses. I think that the quality of it is still high. The musicianship is wonderful. Mm. But it is listening to a drugged out Bob Dylan, which I do think in our world too, where a lot of stuff is slowed down, Xanaxed, if you will, or whatever, you know, just everything's quieter and slower. I think this kind of weirdly sets sits into the mood of 2020 uh, for I can see a kid listening to this and being like, this is stuff I like. This is stuff I listen to this type of singing style, the slowness, the plottingness. And if you like slow core, you like that kind of stuff, then yeah, why wouldn't you like something like this? It's, it's fine. It's whatever. Um, I'll close with this. As Jonathan Cott asked Dylan in Rolling Stone in 1978, he says, quote, who understands sad eyed lady of the lowlands? Dylan answers. I do. And they move on. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, I would disagree. I disagree. I don't think he knows. <laughs> you don't think he does? So. <laughs> no, I don't. Kelly, did you know that we're a real fucking podcast sometimes yeah from time to time Ooh, we take the summers off we might have to do that man it's so fucking hot in this world how does anybody yeah. how does anybody live how does anybody live? we um you know i we could have said something about being off for two months but we didn't <laughs> no so intermittently we're on sotw pod you know i'm sure people have messaged me on instagram and stuff and like i don't know man sorry thanks for sticking with us we love it we love to see you uh, coming to you coast to coast here. That's right. Sign of the window nation, baby. <laughs> now, this is one of my favorite playlists. The thing that we do the most often. Forget about Twitter. Forget about Patreon. Give us a dollar. Don't give us a dollar. Whatever. Everything is at SOTW pod. <laughs> so you want that? Patreon.com slash SOTW pod. Twitter. Great. Instagram. Great. You know how to do this. The playlist is what you want, my friends. This playlist right. was fire. This playlist lasted for two months, and I would pop in. I would not listen to Sad Eyed Lady or The Lowlands, but I listened to yes. everything else. And, and then I would stop <laughs> at Joan, and I would move on with my life. This was awesome. This was awesome, Kelly. Very well done, I think, for both of us. Some some hitters uh, for both of us, I'm sure, uh, in our personal lives, you know, that we get to put out into the world, and some brand new ones that I've just never heard before, but I really like. So welcome back to our playlist, which, again, you can listen to Spotify, just type in 145 after SOTW and it'll show up. Or if you go to um, see that my playlist is kept clean, you can have a a, a live version of this, uh, whatever song we're doing in the current uh, iteration, whenever you're listening to this. Anyways, welcome back to the playlist. Florence and the Machine, 
for the third time with Third Eye. Hey, boom. Perfect. She's now, that song, for me, is fucking fire. One of my favorite songs. Uh, maybe of all time. I don't want to say that. I say that a lot. It's a really it's fucking good. good song. It's a very beautiful song. Placebo for the fifth time. Black Eyed. Great song. Great this song. is one of my favorite of theirs. I was supposed Damn. to see them on the 7th, and they canceled their American tour because they couldn't figure out their visas. They swear they'll be back. So, whatever. They didn't refund the tickets. Uh, Leonard Cohen for the fifth time. Chelsea Hotel number two. So, I, not a obviously a super reference to Bob Dylan, but not a not reference. You know, I think anybody and talking about song. Chelsea Hotel, it's a great song. And it's a, it's a Oh, he says, giving me head on the bed. I was like, ah, I ah, sir, Mr. Cohen. Uh, Bob Dylan is on a song with... Phil Spector, Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen for 1977. I want to make sure I get this right. Maybe you can look it up because you'll be faster than me. I think it's Don't Leave don't leave With a Heart On on or something like that. <laughs> I mean, I just put Don't Leave With a Heart On into Spotify. Let's see what happens when I put that into Google. Leonard Cohen, Don't Go Home With Your Heart On. Don't Go Home With don't Your Heart On. Don't Go Home With Your Heart On featuring Bob Dylan on there. I think he's doing harmonica. And Phil Spector, of all fucking people. It's one of the only times that Bob and Phil have uh, crossed paths as well. So uh, wow. a real moment in music history. So when you when you hear him saying, I took head, uh, yeah, he also talks about hard-ons in the 70s. So <laughs> Leonard Cohen. Uh, the Isley Brothers, for the second time, That Lady, Parts 1 and 2. People would know this if you're a Kendrick Lamar fan. You know the song, I. Oh, I mean, that's a super hugely famous song. Who's that lady? Yeah. But Kendrick, I mean, it's probably where kids are hearing it at this point. I hadn't heard that song in so long. And when I heard that, I was like, I know that, but I didn't know exactly what it was. But then, you, I, you know, we... Is that that I Love here. Myself song? Or is that a different one? That's it. That's oh, it. Okay, yeah. I yeah. Love Myself. Oh, yeah. are you looking at me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Coed and Cambria for the fourth time. Good night, fair lady. We love you, Coed. So they just came out with a new record, which I will be saying in my recommendations. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Future for the second time. Low Life with The Weeknd. Um, didn't count how many times with The Weeknd, because whatever. Jillian Welch for the second time. Lowlands. Uh, beautiful song. Jillian Welch is a consummate professional. And uh, Joan Baez, seventh time. She is creeping up there in Beatles territory and Radiohead territory. Oh, With that, Lady of the Lowland, she will be <laughs> consistently covers of Bob Dylan songs. When will she have her own? We'll never live to see it. <laughs> we'll never Welcome live to, to the playlist for the first time. Casey Musgraves, the great Casey Musgraves. I mean, Happy and sad, excellent golden song. Hour, golden hour. Excellent fucking It made record. me think of Michelle Branch, and when I said that, you were like, ah, oh, that's so, like, reductive, or whatever. I'm like, no, this is Michelle Branch. Well, it is, but it, it but it's not bad. I mean, Michelle Branch is, I I don't know much about Michelle Branch, so they could have a great little crossover between them, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. but I get it. His Golden Messenger, Brown Eyed Woman, excellent. I This band sounds really familiar. I, sounds I don't old. know. Right? It's not. This is from, like, 2017. He's yeah, a new we, guy, but he's got that we, sound where it sounds oldie. Um, let's see what when was this album? Sorry. Oh, well, of course it's not fucking on here for some reason. Even like I'm the literally looking stuff, at it. like 2016. Yeah. 16. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds like it's from 66. It's fantastic. Uh Jim Sullivan, Plain as Your Eyes Can See. That's from the 70s. I think 1970ish. Yes. Uh Phyllis Dillon, Woman of the Ghetto. Excellent. Benny, Man of the Kitchen. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Geese, Low Era. I just listened to Geese for the first time in a while. I'm glad I could put them on here. Social Station of the World. And finally, Bessie Smith, Blackwater Blues. I put that on there because two reasons. One, Bob Dylan has played Blackwater Blues. It was one of the first songs that he played in one of his first concerts in New York City on November 4th, 1961. But uh, 
I want to recommend just like with our song with the song Highlands, our our episode one thirty one that we just did. Um, Michael Gray of the Bob Dylan Encyclopedia has a fantastic essay just about the Highlands. He also has a great essay about the Lowlands. He says, "quote In Bob Dylan's song Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands, his metaphoric reference is surely to the Lowlands of the Mississippi Delta, the Lowlands which imperiled people down in the floods, where all those crashes on the levee happened, where all the high water was everywhere, in which in which have turned." and of which in turn flooded American folk consciousness. These are the lowlands that spread across Blonde on Blonde, an album saturated in the blues. So hmm. I thought that was a good one to put on there just because we're coming to the end of, uh, we've had a lot of Blonde on Blonde at this point. We're also people in the world these last two months where we hung out in the summer and drove across the country and the queen dies, you know, all kinds yeah. of crazy stuff happens. Um, what were you doing on the day and the moment when the queen died? And were you, should we be looking at you oh, as a suspect? I was walking into work. There hmm. is an, I don't remember, know if you remember, there's an office that has like all glass and they always have CNBC on. It must be some kind of financial broker or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They always yeah, yeah. have CNBC on. So every day when I go to work, the fucking CNBC is on. And I, as I walked by, I saw it said the queen in failing health. And I was like, huh. And then I just went about my day. And then Stacia was like, the queen died. And I was like, huh. Eh. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> you don't have a push notification on your phone, Kelly? Come on. Oh, no. I got rid of all oh any news, everything. I cannot. How are you going to so. celebrate the monarchy, Kelly? Just, have you not been in 10 days of mourning? What are you doing? You know, <laughs> it's not. 24. Well, you wouldn't know this, but it's 24 hour wait. To see the queen's coffin, people are waiting oh. in line. Like right now, twenty four hours. Yes, they're camping out to, to look at the dead queen. To look at the coffin of the dead queen. Mm. This podcast is viciously anti-monarchy. So Whoa. I'm sorry to tell anybody here, it should stop. It should stop. That's it's intense. a literal fantasy world. It's insane. Hmm. I can't believe it. Even David Beckham, he waited hours. Wow, David Beckham. He didn't you get special get treatment for the line. That's what I mean. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he fucking did. <laughs> and it's still at the end of the day, it's a deeply class fucking conscious okay, society, right. and that's a part of the monarchy's fucking problem. So why would he not get preferential treatment? Ugh, I hate it. Anyways, wow. Kelly, outside of the queen dying and it maybe being one of our faults, what yes. um, what else were you doing? Oh, I have been on. A very big musical journey. I don't know what spurred this, but I was feeling deeply nostalgic, as we all do, because all we can do is look mm. at the past because the future is just too damn scary and depressing. So I went on a binge. I like earlier this year or last year, who fucking knows? I was like, oh, what are the first couple of albums I ever remember owning? Oh, here's the next couple ones I ever remember owning. OK, here's before here's before the fall, the the new metal and who I would become to be for the rest of my life. So it's like a, a smattering of stuff. Right? It's like disturbed. Oh, I could just look at it real quick. Just a second. The beginning of the end. That's what I called it. <laughs> uh, so Destiny's Child Survivor, which is very long, and oh it my was God, not this good. Is not metal. What are we doing? No, I know this is just these are the albums that happened. Oh. Three Doors Down, oh, right. uh, The Better Life, their their first one. A Alien Ant Farm Anthology, actually a good record. Uh, Stained, Break the Cycle, better than I remembered it being because it immediately takes you back. Chevelle. Uh, Wonder What's Next, actually a good record. Very surprised. Uh, Edema. Self-titled Edema, Trash, uh, Drowning Pool Sinner, Fine, and Disturb the Sickness, also fine, and then Incubus, which is actually great. Of all those bands I just mentioned, guess who is still a band? Everyone but Destiny's Child is still a band making fucking- wow. And Stained, sorry. Everyone but Destiny's Child and Stained, still together, still making music. As recently as 
fucking Drowning Pool just released a song like three weeks ago. Same with Disturbed. I was like, I am in the zeitgeist. I don't know how it's happening, but new metal is coming back anyway. So it kind of is though. That's it is through. That it, is a thread. Yeah. It really is coming back. But not and not as fact, its old self. Not as its like belligerent self. It's like some of the the like I listen to a record from a new hardcore band where like there are moments that it is genuinely what I would think I'm listening to corn. It's just yeah. not corn. It's not Jonathan right. Davis. It's not that aesthetic. It's like a yep. different sort of singing. But it's like that bass line and shit. That's fucking like fieldy. It's weird. Yes. So that I just went on. And I was like, oh, my God. OK. And then also I did a karaoke song version of of Stupefy for this podcast that I like and submitted it. And that got me on a tear of like disturbed the metal music did that I used to listen to. It? Yeah, I did. Uh, you were on and, the po- you were yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so See, you're so famous. Why do you even take the time to do this podcast? <laughs> so that all happened. Then I was like, you know what? I want to actually be good at this. I don't want to just do this for fun. I always wanted to like be a singer, like some kind of fucking bizarre world rock star, where I live an alternate universe life. And I was like, go. I'm gonna do this. So I started Fuck looking it. up. Uh, because I was disappointed in my performance in my song that I submitted. It was okay, but it wasn't great. Uh, and I was like, I could, I wonder if I could be good at this. So I was just like screaming along to stuff and hurting myself. And I was like, there's got to be a way to not hurt yourself. So I started going to this rabbit hole of like extreme vocals. And then I found Lorna Shore. And then I was like, oh, deathcore is a genre. It's like the evolution of new metal, but better. And I was like, I like deathcore. Not all of it, but some of it. And then I was like, okay, it's time for me <laughs> to go to metal school. So I made... 23 metal playlists of a bunch of different sub of 23 subgenres of metal uh, based on rate your music's top 20 albums for oh, each yeah. of the subgenres and right. I put one song from each album on it so it's not like I'm doing mm. you know mm. 600 hour long playlists other than the deathcore one I went crazy on the deathcore one because like that was a, idiot. yes yeah, too much it's too much so 20 or sometimes 25 songs of each of these 23 subgenres. I haven't gotten through all of them yet. Uh, the one that I'm on right now is drone metal. It's pretty hit or miss, but I like oh, it yeah, so yeah. far. Um, and yeah, I I just like I want to be a fucking deathcore singer. So I've got like vocal lessons coming up, uh, and I'm gonna like <laughs> wow. learn how to do this shit. It'll do happen it. one day. So yeah. Anyway, I've been learning the first like the exercises are like kind of the first thing you do is is throat singing. You know, the Mongolian throat singing. It's called tube and throat singing sometimes too, where it's like two harmonies at the same time. And it's like, hang on, <laughs> let me do it. Hang on. Yeah. No, I that kind of thing. Okay. So you're, okay. you're, you're vibrating your false chords and that's the basis for screaming for false chord screaming. There's also vocal fry screaming, which I haven't really done yet. It's very hard. So you you make that sound, you're like, and then you add like a behind it to do the, the sound. So yeah. Anyway, so I've been listening to a bunch of different metal. Uh, I've, I've separated them into the genres that I, I like and that are just not for me. And then like the people that I like the best out of all those things. So it's very, meticulous uh hit us, up, and, hit us a couple bands what, what, what's the okay so speaking of new metal which i haven't even gotten i made a new i wasn't gonna make a new metal list because like i know all these people and i do know all these people yeah. but uh there's a new band for well new their first album was 2017 called tetrarch uh i don't know if you're yeah the lead guitarist is a black lady and uh, she is the literally the only black woman front like guitarist of any yeah. metal band that's ever existed and i was just like oh, this is fucking incredible and they sound just like Slipknot. I mean, like okay. old Slipknot. And it's great. So Tetrarch, check yeah. them out. They're from, from uh, Georgia. Uh, okay. Pretty good. But anyway, so yeah. So just, I'm not going to go nuts, but a couple of the ones no. that I really like off the bat. See, I got to put it in goats. Here we go. Nice. 
Uh, after the burial, slice the cake, fit for an autopsy. Uh, the contortionist Kardashev make them suffer. They're like my favorite. I was also looking. I was like, there have to be female fronted deathcore bands, right? Yes, make them suffer from Absolutely. Australia. Female fronted, awesome. Uh, the Machinist also highlight, uh, very good. And then we got Gojira on there, of course. Of course. Probably my favorite band. This is uh drone metal or like kind of black easy, whatever. They're in a couple different ones categories because it all kind of gets muddled anyway. The Angelic Process fucking amazing they're not a band anymore the lead singer unfortunately killed himself in 2008 but they have like four albums and they're so so good from florida i think yeah the angelic process fucking amazing and then also another band which is really sad um a band called ictus i-c-t-u-s they only came out with one album and then one ep that was just a 30 minute song because that's what people do in metal uh so so good they were from spain they went on their first tour and got in a horrible car accident and then weren't able to make any more music so they have the the one album and the one song and it's good it's like uh metalcore kind of stuff but it's that's my lane Yes. That's the only lane. Like after the burial, I know. I think I know them. I mean, if they're what I'm thinking of. Yeah, they're kind of like a crossover, too. A lot of these, like, kind of fit both. Deathcore is just like supposedly death metalcore, but I don't really like death metal, and I don't really see the crossover there. Death metal. Yes. So, deathcore, that's the thing. And Lorna Shore is like the breakout band. They got a new, they've been a band for like 15 years, but they got a new Mm. singer two years ago. He replaced the guy on tour. His name is uh, Will Ramos, and everyone fucking loves him. He's like a viral sensation. He's really like affable, very like friendly guy, and he does sounds and crazy. He's not the only one doing this, but he's the most famous person making, like, he does like crazy pig squeal noises and all this shit. So, I'm like, Let's learn how to sing like Will Ramos. <laughs> I love it. This <laughs> is going to be fun. Amazing turn of uh, turn of events here. Uh, everybody, keep your eyes peeled here. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, I'm on a middle journey. Anyway, that's me. What about you? Amazing. Well, I mean, this is uh, I didn't update myself. This is myself from two months ago. So get okay. ready because I'm coming to this uh, fresh. Well, speaking of fresh, they released a new album called Raise Hell. <laughs> And it's fucking great. And Fresh is like, God damn it. If they ever come to the United States, it's got to be done. Got to go see not? Fresh. Uh, they came to Fest um, in 2019 uh, okay. before pandemic. Um, Thursday wore all the time. They released, they've just been releasing live records of all their old records as they've turned anniversary ages. So wore all the time was hugely important for me when I was in high school. Excellent stuff. Joyce Manor, 40 Ounces to Fresno. That came out two months ago. Check it out. Good stuff. Wilco, Cruel Country, new Wilco record. Kelly, you always are like, well, you know, Wilco's a band, just like Bowie and Prince and all. You know, oh, it's sure, like yeah. you get around to it someday. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it's it's yeah. like um, country, fi- country fried, and um, I think that's like the best Wilco, to be honest. Uh, Drake, I don't know why it's on here. Honestly, never mind. I have not even touched that album oh, in two months. I haven't either. And do, do not care. Uh, I listened to Paramore a bunch. They just nice. actually, in our real time, uh, at the, in the mid-September, they are about to release a brand new song. And a new album's coming, so wild. Uh, first record since uh, 2013's Paramore. And I gotta say, the song Still In You is a damn perfect song. I can't <laughs> stop listening to it. Good shit that's from 2013's Paramore, I believe. Uh, Cohen and Cambria, two months ago, released Vaxxas 2, A Window of the Waking Mind. I gotta say, it's pretty good. They, they really <laughs> don't miss. It's really... yeah. Long songs, but like really, they're Claudio is such a good guitarist and such a great singer. You can't stop it. Soccer Mommy, sometimes forever. Soccer Mommy uh, came out of nowhere two years ago or two uh, two records ago, honestly, at this point. But her 2020 record was fantastic, and this one is really good. 
she just does different stuff every time. You love to see it. The most important thing that we did this summer, though, is finishing Better Call Saul. It's still oh God, something yeah. I think Holy about shit, that was like a year ago now. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's so long ago now. Um, rewatching, or really watching the whole series for the first time, totally. But, you know, I sort of stopped at season four for no reason. And holy shit, man, we, we binged, not only that, but we like watched the end of Breaking Bad in a pool. We did lots <laughs> of cool Breaking Bad slash Better Call Saul stuff. And I got to say, in that scene, that last courthouse scene, I've watched that on YouTube probably at no less than 10 times. Like that, when, when he's doing his whole... You know, his whole thing about, you know, I, I met Walter White and, and I did it because I was good at it. Walter White couldn't have done it without me. It was, it was fucking excellent. So anyways, Better Call Saul, best thing that I've done this year by far. I will not stop thinking about that show. And it just it just goes, it just, it still pushes the bounds of what TV can do. And I can't wait to see what Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould do next. I'm totally a fan for the rest of my life. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot. Yeah, no, I'm... I know. It's like, again, I just happened to write it down two months ago. <laughs> All right, Kelly, we're, we're going to try to keep this ball rolling here. So we are now Virginia, Portland bound, hanging out, doing our thing. It is uh, whatever. Who knows? Uh, we've been doing this by, you know, you've been looking at words. So I don't know. Yeah. Do they have words still in Portland or did that go away they with do. the queen? They do. We still have words. So if you want to give me five random words from wherever the hell you're getting it from. Uh, Randomwordgenerator.com. Where Boom. else would you go? The only place to go. Okay. First one is bald, as bald. in without hair. <laughs> or I guess a tire can be bald. There is one bald, so that'll oh. be, um, you know, that's up there. Okay, bald, one. All right. Oh, uh, sorry, there's three balds. Never mind. <gasps> it took a second to load. Dear God. Okay. That's a good one to pick from, but uh, three. Uh, nail. Nail. Oh, there's going to be. One, I think there is an album, uh, song title. No, I think that's one that's like a supplemental. Uh, no, there no are nail? five There's gotta be a nail. nails. Five yeah. nail. Okay, that's gonna probably be the pretty, one we'll see. Pretty good stuff in there. Actually, too good. Maybe too good. So okay, <laughs> too good. Okay. And after this one, Jesus, there's like a couple on two very long ones. Okay, what's next? Uh, disturbance. Okay, I'm just gonna start with disturb and see. Okay. Nothing. Call. There's got to be a million okay. of those. There is one know. with one of the song titles is called Call. So okay. that might be one that we do, or maybe it's one of them that we can have out there. Um, right. If you don't like maybe the three we do. But uh, Call has twenty. Call has 62. 62 calls. Nope. But nope. one okay. with the title in it. So. And last is Harmful. Okay. Two Harmfuls. I say that we split the difference and do the first one. We have a fiver, we've got a twoer, and we've got a threer. I say we do All a right. threer. Bald it is. Is that good for you? Yeah. I don't know what's, what's coming. So. I, yeah, well, what's the, what was the first one again? Bald. Bald, that's right. There's a, there, On this drone metal playlist, there is a band called Bong, like, you know, a marijuana smoking device, and then another band called Bong Ripper. Nice. Apparently... This appeals to the par- marijuana smoking crowd. This well, genre a, of music. A punk band that I love called Bong Mountain. So they oh, are, nice. it's definitely a thing. But they're just an innocent little pop punk band. Um, but pretty good. Okay, so we are looking for bald. All right, here mm-hmm. are my three bald references. Maybe. I'm going to have to move you a little bit here. Okay. Bald. Find. Oh my God, where the fuck are you? Okay. Heat busted, stomach cracked, 
feet splittered. I was bald, naked. Whoa. Yeah. All right. Second one. Bello and Bradley, and they both baldly lied. Okay. All right. Let me just skim the song really quick. I don't know. It's not highlighting it. You have no idea why this showed up. It might just be something else in the metadata. See, you can't really account for that kind of shit. That's so, okay. I want no, the first song anyway. Good. That is the song to go for. So this is one that I mentioned a couple of a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember. We were doing a Talking Blues song. So again, this is months ago at this point. Um, but the song is called Talking Bear Mountain Picnic Massacre Blues. Oh, shit. Um, yep. So this is a, a fantastic song. It's a funny song. It's one of Bob Dylan's first. Like, I think legitimately great talking songs. He is deadpan, hilarious. So I'll look into what the actual Bear Mountain Massacre, the picnic that he is referencing here, because uh, I don't know that much about it, except that I think it's real. So um, so I'll look into it. But it's a very funny Bob Dylan song about going for a picnic. Well, I am super stoked because that means I get to put the song Teddy Bear Picnic on the playlist. And Let's it's go. a very creepy song from the 20s. And I love Let's it. Go. Let's go. Yes. And this song is not very creepy, but very fun. And okay, so next week, bring your picnic supplies, everybody. We're getting on a boat, and nothing bad can possibly happen, and it's going to be excellent. All right, with, Kelly, the, with the word massacre in the title, everything the, will be fine. With fun. the Bear Mountain Picnic Massacre Blues. And there's blues. You don't want the blues after anything. So, all right, well, we'll uh, thanks for hanging out with us in Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowland World. We will go back in time to Bear Mountain. To yes. Next time. That's right. Oh, goodbye. Okay, thanks for listening. Bye.